Hello everyone and welcome to Trex in Sci-Fi episode 248. As you may guess, I am most definitely not Rico. This is Joe from Toronto, Billy Bob 476 from the Trex in Sci-Fi forums, and um, Rico has been nice enough this week to lend me the podcast to uh, talk about a movie with you guys that I really quite enjoy called Free Enterprise. Before we get into the movie, I guess I should just tell you a little tiny bit about myself. Uh, I've been listening to Trex in Sci-Fi for a good a good amount of time now, definitely over a year, uh, if not more. And uh, I'm a huge sci-fi fan. You know, I've always I'm I'm 28 years old, so uh, you know I grew up with uh, with Star Trek: The Next Generation, and you know Star Wars came out slightly before I was born, and and Empire and and Jedi shortly after I was born. And so you know sci-fi has been a huge part of my life for for as long as I can remember. And uh, I'm very happy to be here, and I hope that I can do justice to to Trex and Sci-Fi, and that uh, you know I get Rico back his podcast uh, without any dings, dents, or scratches. As I mentioned, I am from Toronto. Well, I'm currently living in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I was uh, born in Montreal, so oui, je parle français pas parfaitement, but anyways, uh, I apologize in advance for any sort of Canadian accent that I may have or may not have, and uh, for what will probably be slightly less audio quality than you're used to, because I'm talking on my uh, my trusty Plantronics headset, which uh, may pop a little bit. So uh, I guess a good way to to start off talking about the movie Free Enterprise is uh, is to play the preview or the trailer. So uh, I will do that now. <laughs> Since Mark was a boy, and since Robert was a boy, they've worshipped one man. The Lawrence Olivier of the Airways. What are you doing here? I'm one of the top ten imaginary friends kids have, just behind John Travolta, Reggie Jackson, and Farrah Fawcett Majors. But, oh my God, they're about to discover. Make a big scene. Mr. Shatner, I would like to say that I think you are the greatest American actor ever. I'm a Canadian. That their lifelong hero... I've got an idea. ...is definitely not of this world. It's a musical version of Julius Caesar. (sighs) I want to do the complete text. Well, I'll I'll play Julius Caesar and all the other parts, too. The man I idolized since I was two turns out to be a raving loon. Ouch. And now... My lady friend, she left me. How can that be? I mean, you're you. Right. He's going to lead them. How cool is that? On a voyage. Oh, my. To find love. Guys, you gotta mix a little reality in with your imagination. That's way stranger than science fiction. I'm not the one with the green girl sex fantasy. Oh, my. Did you see the way that she was peeping you? I don't believe it. I just met the most fantastic female. Claire, you should be happy for her. When Spock got infected by the spores and fell in love with Leela Colomi, he was happy too. But Kirk fought him, made him resist. Yeah, whatever. Who do you see starring in it? Rafer Weigel, Eric McCormick, Audie Englin, Patrick Van Horn, Phil Lamar, and William Shatner. And that Dr. Spock guy with those pointy ears. As Bill. You can call me Mr. Shatner now. No tears for season. Evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turned with their body. No one will ever believe this. Free Enterprise. Love long and party. Dance with the captain. 
was great. So this movie is basically uh, it's a coming of age film for people who are, are about to turn thirty. The two main protagonists, Robert and Mark. Uh, Mark is about to turn thirty in a couple of days, and uh, a lot of the movie kind of revolves around his upcoming birthday, his last day. Obviously, they they like to make the Logan's Run references. Uh, and you know, it's really about these two these two protagonists turning 30 and looking back on their lives and kind of taking stock and saying, you know, we're not really quite as, as far along as we want to be. And, you know, by some twist of fate, you know, they're huge sci-fi fans and specifically huge original series Trek fans. And their lives are basically modeled around, around Shatner and, and Captain Kirk and his exploits and his, you know, away with women and his bravery and his his deeds. And, you know, they 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 meet the man, William Shatner, and he is most definitely not uh the image that they have of him. So this movie was the brainchild of uh Mark A. Altman and Robert Meyer Burnett, and uh the two main characters are are loosely based on them. Um Robert Meyer Burnett was one of the writers and the the director and since Free Enterprise, uh, he's done a couple of things. Um, it looks like a lot of documentary type uh, type things. One interesting thing that jumps out at me is uh, in 2003, he did something called The Secret Origin of X-Men, which uh, is a story about the, the creation of the X-Men comics and, and all of that. So that might be something interesting to look into. And Mark A. Altman uh, went on from Free Enterprise, which is literally the first thing on his IMDb page in 1998 as a producer, to uh, doing things, uh, something very recent. You know, there's been a reasonable amount of stuff. Uh, you know, we have 1998, things 2000, 2003, 2005. You know, he's had pretty pretty recent projects. And... Uh, one of the most recent things that's released is uh, he was co-producer on nine episodes of the TV series Castle with Nathan Fillion. So he's been working pretty pretty steadily since then. I originally heard about this movie from a friend of mine, uh, maybe not in 1999 when it first came out. Uh, theatrical release was in 1999. But, um, you know, maybe in 2000, 2001, something like that, I had a friend who was just starting to get into Trek, and I guess he was, you know, starting to look around and, and find everything he could find, and he came across this movie, and he uh, he got me over to his place, and we watched it, and uh, and ever since then, it's been uh, it's been up there as one of my one of my favorite kind of fun fun movies. I mean, it's weird for you know I'm a guy and I'm a sci-fi fan, and it's weird for me to say that that a movie that is effectively a romantic comedy. Uh, is one of my favorite movies, but uh, it's quite enjoyable, I must say. So anyways, uh, I guess we should get to to the movie, and um, I will kind of just loosely go through go through the movie. So spoiler warning, um, I'm going to basically go through the storyline. So, you know, if you, if you want to see the movie without knowing what's going on or anything like that, you might want to uh, watch it first. But uh, I think really the fun in this movie is is kind of the, all the sci-fi references and things like that. You know, to me, knowing the story, well, if you want to be completely surprised, then then great. But uh, knowing the story isn't really, I, I don't think it's a huge detriment. And I guess also before I really get rolling into things, you may have, have garnered it from the preview. But uh, this is more of a an adult-type kind of rated R movie 
not for what sci-fi movies are generally rated R for, which is violence and, and all that, but there is definitely language and there is definitely uh, there's definitely sex and there's definitely nudity and all of that. So if you don't like any of that either, then uh, then this might not be the movie for you. But all that said, I think, you know, if you're going to have a movie that talks about sex and relationships, you're going to have to have some some sex and relationships in there. So anyways, the main characters, uh, the movie starts off with with Mark, the character played by Eric McCormack, uh, in a pitch meeting, pitching his newest movie called Brady Killer, which uh, which, frankly, he's very into it, but is a horrible idea. Here is a very short clip from uh, right at the beginning of the movie with uh, the main character, Mark pitching his his latest opus Brady Killer and it's called Lady Killer no 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 Brady Killer remember that's why the guy only stalks women named Marcia Jan and Cindy Brady Killer is a it's a metaphor for our times it, it, it's 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 pop culture meets high art Nick at Night meets Dostoevsky it's a great high-concept piece, I'm telling you. It's about the, the death of 70s suburban bliss, which gives way to the, the angst of 90s dystopian fatalism. Stay with me. Opening shot. A long, steady camp shot. Touch of evil, the player, good fellas. You know, the, we're coming into a house, yes? It's from a backyard into a house. It's a family room. Screen doors open. Why is it open? We don't know. Anybody in the family room? Nobody there yet. Why is it looking so familiar? Into the kitchen. Is it the Brady house? Looks very much like. So we look for Alice. Is she there? She's not there either. It's quiet. Nobody in the house. We pull now into the living room. Into the living room. Same shot. Same shot. Into the living room. There's the chest of drawers. There's the vase. Boom! The vase is broken. A ball from above. Did Bobby throw it? We look up. He's not there. Nobody's there. Camera goes up, up, up on a dolly, a crane. You know, up, up, up. Onto the second floor. Now we're going down the hall. The very familiar hall. There's the girls' room. There's the bathroom. There's the boys' room. Nobody in any room. The bunks are empty. Why? Where are they? One door open. It's the attic. Down to the attic. Same shot. Same shot. No coverage. Up the stairs through the attic. It's Greg's room, yes? He's moved up there now because he's a big lad. He needs his own room. But he's not there. Anybody there? In the corner there's something. What is it? Someone we know? Somebody friendly? No! It's the goat. It's the goat from the other high school. It's a dead mascot hanging there, blood dripping like a butcher shop. Boom! We cut to a close-up of Alice. And, of course, I need to mention that uh, Eric McCormick is is probably best known for uh, for playing Will on the long-running TV series Will and Grace. And uh, I guess you could say, aside from William Shatner, is probably the uh, the biggest name actor in, in this film. Or at least uh, he became so after the film came out and he made it big on Will and Grace. So, as we can see, Mark is, is very high-energy, He's a very uh, quirky character. He's a creative guy. And now we have Mark's counterpart, Robert, who is kind of the, as he likes to say in certain points, the yin to his yang. Uh, Robert is played by an actor named Rafer Weigel, who's been in a couple things since then. He had a role in I Am Sam, and he did a lot of guesting. On, he was uh, on an episode of Charmed. Uh, he seems to have done a voice in uh, Ghost in the Shell stand- Standalone Complex. You know, before that, in 1997, he was, for video game and Star Wars fans, he was a voice in uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2. So to introduce Robert, uh, I guess we could, we'll play his first scene, which is him breaking, or his current girlfriend breaking up with him, and she gives her reasoning, and, you know, it gives us a pretty good idea about, about who he is right at the beginning of this movie. I'm taking this back. 
But you gave me that for Christmas. Yeah, well, I know what it means to you, so I'm taking it back. You can't take back a gift. Watch me. But I love you. If you love me so goddamn much, then why did you lie to me about getting another freelance check instead of just telling me that you pawned your computer? Honey, I didn't want you to stress, okay? I pawned my computer so that I could have enough money to go with you and your mother to Las Vegas. Oh, that's not the point! How can I trust you again? You were always lying to me about money. Yes, but I have been totally honest with you about everything else! How are you supposed to raise a family someday, huh? What, are you gonna pawn my computer too? I will get another editing job! How can you know the name of every episode of that f***-off television show? But you can't manage to pay a $16 gas bill. Who cares? Who knows what season Requiem of the Martians debuted? Methuselah. What? The episode was called Requiem for Methuselah. Third season, debuted February 14th, 1969, Valentine's Day. Now, can I please have the ornament back? It really means a lot to me. Please. <laughs> Goodbye, Robert. All right, so I guess that basically gives us... Uh a good idea about the two main main characters, Mark and Robert. Something that I didn't put in, which uh, happens kind of between those two scenes, is uh, we we do flashbacks for each of them back to to their childhoods. Uh, for for Mark, we flash back to him standing in line to see Star Trek the motion picture, and for Robert, we flash back to him having a fight with a bully in elementary school because uh, he came to school wearing a Captain Kirk, uh, you know, gold command outfit kind of costume and um you know what happens to both of them in these situations and this is what kind of gets us off the ground of saying how they how kirk is their idol uh they kind of have they have kirk as an imaginary friend and he comes in in mark's situation he isn't allowed to go see the movie because the movie theater has a rule that minors aren't allowed to see movies alone unescorted after 4 p.m so kirk comes in and gives him some sage advice relating to you know how he should use his brain power to figure out the situation and uh, in Robert's case, he gets kind of semi-knocked out by the by the bully, and he has this vision where Kirk says, you know, maybe you shouldn't fight because you're not very good at it. And, uh, you know, eventually, child Robert convinces Kirk that the reason he's fighting is because the bully said that Han Solo was cooler than, uh, was cooler than Captain Kirk. And so then Kirk says, no, you know what? kick his ass and he does and he goes and and he wins the fight and and it's awesome but anyways uh so that coupled with this kind of shows us who they are you know they love kirk and um you know they're at kind of interesting places in their lives let's say so what follows is a chat between them kind of talking about their two recent experiences with the breakup and the pitch meeting and how neither of them went very well and uh and they decide to to go off to the bookshop the iliad bookshop very another kind of geeky Greek mythology reference, and uh, this is where they run into William Shatner. Before I get into the Shatner bits, uh, I, there's an interesting story which uh, which was 
covered in, in the booklet that came with the DVD and uh, also on the, the making of featurette on the, uh, on the DVD of how exactly Shatner got involved with this movie. Basically what happened was that uh, Meyer and Meyer Burnett and Altman wrote, wrote this movie and they wrote it very, very differently than, than how it is on the screen. And so their original script actually got, you know, they, it got, it got picked up. It got, you know, they got producers on board, they got money and everything was a go. And all they had to do was start casting. So obviously the most important role to cast in this movie was, was that of William Shatner, you know, cause only William Shatner could play Bill because he had to play himself. So they sent him a letter, they sent him the script and he read the script and, and he got in contact with them and he said, you know, I, I really like your script. And it's very funny, and it's very interesting, but there's no way I'm going to play this role. And their hearts just, as they meant, as they explained it, their hearts just dropped because basically what Shatner said was was that he would feel silly playing the role as it was originally written. Because as the script was originally written, Bill Shatner was not an actual physical human in the script. He was kind of a, a head Shatner in both of their heads, you know, giving them advice and you know helping them figure things out. And whatever, and he was a very kind of godlike, perfect, sage character, always dispensing good advice and being perfect at all times. And Shatner said, "No, I, I'm not going to play this. This is this is embarrassing. This is like uh, me playing the a fanboy's vision of myself, and I don't want that." And he said, "You know, I'm not going to be in your movie, but you know, maybe rewrite it so that I'm all messed up. I have problems. I have issues. I'm bad with women." and uh, you know, come back to me. And, and Shatner specifically said in his interview, he said, I said specifically, I will still not be in your movie, but I will read the rewrite. So they did. They, they went back. They furiously did a rewrite where, where the movie is pretty much kind of in its current form, where, where Shatner is, is in it as a person, and they meet him, and, and he turns out to not be who they thought he was. And Shatner read it, and then he decided that it was a big risk. Because remember, at this point in time, in 1998, 1999, William Shatner wasn't really doing a ton. You know, this was before Priceline. This was definitely before Boston Legal. This this was kind of before his big his big comeback. And I actually think this was kind of the beginning of the current incarnation of William Shatner that we see of him kind of, you know, not minding playing a character of himself, making fun of himself, you know, not taking himself quite as so seriously. And so he decided to take that leap for exactly that reason he stated. He, he stated that... Uh, you know, he thought that maybe if I, I played a role like this, he could that he could uh, get a new audience. You know, people that wouldn't watch him if he was Captain Kirk or didn't watch Rescue 911 or didn't care about T.J. Hooker. You know, he, he kind of wanted to bust a bit more of his comedy chops. So so he decided to get on board and he took a bit of a risk and uh, and it seems to have paid off. I guess now I will play a, a quick scene uh, or a part of the scene where, where they first meet him in the bookshop. So basically uh, Mark and... Uh, Mark and Robert see him, and he, and he's trying to buy, which funnily enough, uh, he's trying to buy a, a pornographic magazine, and uh, he's taken a bit by surprise, and uh, and yeah, so we'll just go and, and watch that scene. Oh my God! Right, that's exactly what they say. I don't believe it. It's Bill. Okay, just be cool. Don't stare. He'll go blind. And he's perusing porno. All right. I gotta go over there and talk to him, man. What, what do you, no. All around the world, 
From as far off as the Caspian Sea, people have been running up to Bill and acting like idiots. Why must you be one of them? Because now it's my turn. I mean, don't you want to go over there and talk to him and see what he's like? I mean, William Shatner made us who we are today. But do you want to insult the man? Just respect the space. I do respect the space. It's the final frontier. Okay, just, just be dignified, you know? Don't do anything stupid. All right. Calm, cool, and collected. Don't make a big scene. Oh, good. I've been looking for Mein Kampf. Uh, uh, sir, I just... Mr. Shatner, I would like to say that I think you are the greatest American actor ever. I'm a Canadian. Well, then, may I just say that you are the greatest Canadian actor ever. <laughs> there aren't that many of them. Well, if I may, sir, just say that I have a tremendous amount of respect for your work as a writer, a director, a thespian, and an entrepreneur. Thank you. Listen, um... I, I, we don't want an autograph or anything like that. I, I was just wondering, um, what brings you here? I'm trying to find something to read. You, you, you buy books? Otherwise, it'd be shoplifting. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. We, we, we don't want. We're, we're not. We, we were just wondering if we could maybe we could buy you a drink or something. I mean, we're really we're not the usual kooky fans. Oh, no. Right. So that was kind of the the first part of that scene. Now what happens is they uh, they end up kind of hounding him a little bit through the bookstore, and he's trying to get away from them. But finally they they track him down and they corner him, and they start talking again. And they find out that uh, he has some writer's block, and he's trying to come up with this idea. And uh, you know they say they work in the industry, and so they convince Shatner to go out for a drink with them. And this is where kind of his main storyline comes in. And uh, he talks about how he is wor he is working on uh, a musical version of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. So this scene really sets up Shatner for the movie and kind of his his character, which is kind of the caricature of himself. So I'm just going to play a little a little clip of here where he's explaining his, his somewhat kooky idea. It's a musical version of Julius Caesar. I want to do the complete text, like Brannock did with Hamlet. I got it all worked out, man. Won't that be a little long? There'll be three intermissions. Who do you see starring in it? Well, I'll, I'll play Julius Caesar. And all the other parts, too. I'll play uh, Cassius uh, with a beard and uh, Lucius uh, with a long robe and Trebonius a hat. And a full suit of armor for Mark Antony. So you're going to play all of the roles yourself? Well, I can't play Calpurnia. <laughs> I, I, I thought we'd get uh, Sharon Stone for that. She actually could be a little difficult to get. Oh, uh, thanks. Oh, and uh, we'll uh, get uh, Heather Locklear. I know Heather. She'd be she'd she'd be great. If you play both Caesar and Brutus, won't you have to stab yourself in the back? I've done it before. So they sit and take all this in, this, this somewhat ridiculous idea. And, uh, you know, they're still talking to Shatner, so they kind of keep quiet. And 
you know, they say they'll talk again, et cetera. Then they go and, and to, to shoot some pool after Shatner leaves and, and they go over how, how ridiculous this is. And who is this guy? This, this, this guy that we met is not Captain Kirk. He's goofy. He's weird. He's awkward. It just, it, it completely destroys their, their illusions of him. And, uh, Robert takes it particularly bad. He, you know, he he says something to the effect that you know his girlfriend just left him. His idol is not his idol. His and uh, they finish that evening off, and the next day comes and uh, and they go hang out with their friends. One of their friends is played by Phil Lamar, who uh, who's on Mad TV for a while. And um, like many of us geeks do, they they enjoy collectibles and action figures, so they make a run to to a Toys R Us. And uh, this is where Robert runs into a kid who's uh, who's who's buying some toys, and uh, and they have a little funny exchange. So, so here's another clip. Here's a clip of that. Oh, look at these kiss action figures! <laughs> it makes me want to rock and roll all night. They party every day. Yeah. <laughs> at least they finally got rid of all that Prince Zizor stuff from Shadows of the Empire. It's Shizor. Shut up, kid. You weren't even born when Star Wars came out. You like Star Wars? Yeah. How old are you? Nine and a half. Do you know what the problem is with you kids today? You guys think that all science fiction started in 1977 with Star Wars. Man, what about movies like um, like Forbidden Planet? The Day the Earth Stood Still, Solaris. What about Logan's Run? Did you ever see that? No, it's probably some dumb sports movie anyways. Sports movie? Dude, Rollerball's a sports movie, man. When I was your age, Logan's Run was the greatest movie that I ever saw. It's the 23rd century. You got hot babes everywhere. Life's great. But then when you turn 30, these special police, they come and they hunt you down and they kill you. Does this mean anything at all to you? I like men in black. Okay, come on, kid. We got some work to do. So, yes, things carry on from there. And, uh... So that's, you know, we're seeing basically at this point different... You know, they met Shatner, and now we're seeing... You know, we saw kind of their their geekdom and now different aspects of their life. They're, you know, they like collecting. And now the other aspect of their life is uh, that they, they, they like to go out to, to the bar a lot. They go to this bar called uh, the Garden of Eden. And uh, they have one more friend who, who we haven't been introduced to yet, who is named Sean. And he is played by an actor named Patrick Van Horn. And uh, you may recognize uh, him from the movie Swingers. And in this movie, uh, Sean is their partying friend. And so he's basically a very similar character to the one that Patrick Van Horde played in Swingers. You know, he's still wearing the suit. He buys the drinks. He meets the girls. You know, and he's, uh, he's the party guy. So, you know, I think he's a lot more like Robert than like Mark. But, you know, the three of them like to go out to the bar and, and drink it up and, and meet the ladies and all of that. So, so they go to this bar and... Uh, and Robert and Sean, you know, they have a chat and, you know, Robert talks about how he's sad that his girlfriend left him at the beginning of the movie and what's he going to do and his life isn't any good and whatever. And uh, he ends up meeting this girl and uh, and they go back to his apartment and, and it's pretty clear that that sex is going to ensue until they get into a bit of a conversation because uh, Robert has shelves and shelves of, uh, of toys and action figures in his apartment. And, you know, they start talking about Peter Pan syndrome and how boys love their toys and their subwoofers and whatever. And they get into a very interesting conversation about, uh, about you know, that stuff and TVs and technology versus wedding rings and, and how men and women are different. And uh, I just wanted to bring this up because this is one of the first times we see Robert's apartment with all the collectibles lying around. And you'll notice that despite 
the fact that they are huge Star Trek fans, uh, there aren't there are virtually no Trek collectibles in Robert's apartment. And uh, the reason for this that uh, that I found out reading through and looking at uh, some of the extra features on the DVD set was because Paramount actually did not allow them to use any Trek toys uh, in the movie. So you'll see he has a lot of superhero stuff, uh, Almighty is his action figures and Supermans and Batmans. And they have a, he has a big model of a shuttle from Space 1999 and there's things from Starship Troopers, but, you know, no Trek, and not that much Star Wars, but definitely no Trek. The only Trek collectible would be the uh, the Hallmark Enterprise ornament that uh, his girlfriend takes away from him, or his ex-girlfriend takes away from him at the beginning of the movie. So that's uh, that was an interesting little tidbit that I came across that I thought was pretty interesting. I mean, they could get Shatner, but they couldn't get Paramount to give them rights for Star Trek toys. So... Uh, you know, all this to say that at this point, Robert's feeling pretty down and, you know, kind of the end of that conversation is that Robert's landlord comes and uh, he has to hide from him because he doesn't have enough money for the rent, which uh, is a bit of a callback to that first scene that I played with him and his uh, girlfriend breaking up. So he's pretty down in the dumps uh, and he decides to, to go to the comic shop with uh, with Mark to pick up the new Sandman hardcover, even though he has no money. There, something incredible happens. He meets the woman of his dreams, Claire, and I think this is a very important scene, so we are going to play the very comedic meeting of Claire and Robert. Excuse me, but um, what, what, exa what exactly do you think you're doing? What exactly do you mean? Um, that's my graphic novel. Hmm. Funny, I don't see your name on it anyway. Ha! <laughs> no, really. Yeah, really. Okay, listen, um, I, I need that hardcover. I know you probably think it would be really, like, neat to buy it for your boyfriend or whatever, but the thing is, is, like, I've been waiting for that. It's not for my boyfriend. Okay. Well, who is it for, then? Well, not that it's any of your business, but it's for me. For you? No. Yeah. Come on, you read Sandman? Yep. And I also read Astro City, Grendel, Cerebus, Bond, Preacher, Legion of Superheroes, among others. Do you have a problem with that? No, it's just that you're, uh, you're, um... Uh, what? A girl? <laughs> How perceptive. Well, you, you know, are kind of hard to miss, even if you weren't wearing a lime green jumpsuit and standing alone in a comic book store. Well, flattered, I'm sure. Look, it's been really nice talking to you, but right now, I'm going to go pay for this. Drive home, take a long, hot vanilla bath, and read this cover to cover. Wait, you can't go. How about some company? Well, unless you're talking about handing over some shares in Microsoft or Disney, I'm not really interested. I don't suppose it would mean anything to you to know that I have the Japanese import box set of all five Planet of the Apes on Laserdisc, letterboxed. What about your home theater system? Dolby Digital 5 tracks around with a 40-inch screen. Not bad. Subwoofer? No, I, uh, I live upstairs in a duplex, you know, neighbors. Huh. I see. I have a Mego Isis action figure. 
all mighty Isis? The very same. So the uh, the scrawling noises you hear kind of at the end there are her pulling out uh, a marker and taking uh, an old an X Men back issue from the comic book rack and scrawling her name and phone number on it and giving it to him. And uh, Robert then proceeds to go back to Mark, who's waiting by the door, and ask him for sixty dollars to buy this comic because he has no money. And uh, you know they have a bit of an argument, but eventually he does and he runs home right away and uh, he gives her a call um and uh and and in a moment we'll see what goes on from there but uh so claire the female love interest slash protagonist from this movie uh is played by an actress named audie england and uh i'm checking her imdb and uh in addition to being an actress she's also a photographer and uh Acting wise, uh, I don't know if I should bring this up, but uh, you know her most, let's say, steady work has been, or in the past, was on uh, a series on Showtime called uh, The Red Shoe Diaries. Now, this show was a little bit, uh, a little bit adult, let's say, a little bit blue. Uh, it was basically a bit of a an erotic drama kind of a thing, which uh, does have a sci-fi tie-in, which was that. Um, Basically, the way this show worked was that uh, women would write in stories about, you know, their their erotic encounters to uh, to a magazine or at or a mail place or something called uh, called Red Shoe. And every week, the show would start with uh, the narrator, who was David Duchovny from the X Files. So there's there's your your sci-fi hookup right there. And uh, he'd be walking in kind of a uh, a secluded place, you know, maybe if he's in his you know in a city near near a bridge or by the water or something like that with his dog and he would start reading these these erotic letters and then after a few lines it would kind of break into the representation of, of that letter the the story told by that letter so uh yeah audie england um she was in six episodes i see here plus uh a couple of other they had some kind of movies she was also in two episodes of uh, mortal Kombat conquest which I believe was a, a TV show that uh, I didn't watch in 1999, and uh, I will assume that uh, since then, you know, she's been concentrating on other things and um, and photography and and things to that effect. But uh, you know, very beautiful girl, and you know, not not strikingly beautiful, drop dead in that in that kind of way, but just she's very girl next door, and uh, you know, the way she's portrayed in in this sh- in this movie, uh, God, she's like the. Uh, the geek girl of your dreams she's she's good looking she reads comic books she loves star trek she loves sci-fi she loves fantasy etc she's uh i guess to coin a phrase from 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 our friends jen and angela she is she's quite the anomaly and uh and robert sees that right away and so he goes and he calls her right away and he arranges to have lunch with her the next day right away and uh you know from there in in wonderful movie fashion with uh with a montage to some music we see their relationship blossom and 
whatever, and uh, you know, we see them doing things and walking around the city and you know, in the pool and having dinner and everything and then it also cuts to scenes of of his fr- of their friends you know like uh sean the party guy sitting at the bar by himself and mark sitting by himself watching movies and you know his friends kind of starting to feel abandoned and so what happens is sean goes to meet mark at mark's office and they have a chat kind of talking about uh what happened to robert he's gone he abandoned them and you know this is not uh this is not an unheard of situation. I'm sure many of us have either had friends who have, you know, met someone, be it a guy or a girl, and, uh, you know, kind of dropped off the radar. I know I may have been guilty of it uh, on some occasions. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's young love. It's, it's the honeymoon phase. And, you know, it's perfectly understandable, but I can see, you know, as, as the friend, you know, because I've also been on the other end of that, you, you feel cheated. You feel like you lost one of your friends to, to this person who nobody knows and no one no one cares about and uh and yeah i mean you know it's something we've all experienced it's something we can all relate to and uh you know i think that's one of the the strengths of this movie is that you know whether you're a geek or not and especially if you are a geek you can really relate to it you know maybe not to the extreme of buying collectibles and having no money to pay your rent and you know meeting william shatner and pitching crappy movies and and helping him out and you know being in the movie industry though i know some of us are but uh you know, it's a very relatable life experience, and I think that's what makes this movie really great. So after uh, after Sean and 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 Mark have their talk, Shatner comes to to meet Mark to talk about uh, his his production and work that he would want to do on it. But beforehand, they they have a little chat about Robert and uh, his relationship situation. So uh, we'll listen to that little little scene right now. Your friend Robert seems to. Have- found himself a perfect woman. You should be happy for him. Oh, really? You're one to talk. In this side of paradise, when Spock got infected by the spores and fell in love with Leela Colomi, he was happy too. But Kirk fought him, made him resist, turned him back into a, a cold, logical, unemotional bore because Kirk couldn't deal with losing his ship. Or at least having Nimoy score a better piece of ass than him. I mean, you could have left him alone to go on farming and fucking on Omicron SETI 3, but you didn't, did you? What's Omicron SETI 3? Never mind. Can I sit down? Knock yourself. You know, I wish you'd stop treating me like some space-age John F. Kennedy Lothario. Uh, you may not believe this, but I'm just getting over a terrible breakup with a, a long-time lady love. Some woman had the audacity to leave you? I can't believe that. Doesn't she understand who you are? I mean, the captain does lose a woman. Unless she gets run over by a truck. Yeah, that's a uh, um, city on the edge of forever. No, I mean, I really love this girl. And she left me. How can that be? I don't know. I mean, you're you. Right. You're a living legend. Thanks, Rob. Mark. Mark. Let's stop talking about my love. So, yeah, here we kind of see a bit of the, you know, the friend's reaction to the new relationship and, you know, Shatner's kind of minor bit of advice there. And I think the more important thing is we really start to see, uh, you know, Shatner's, or Bill, let's call him Bill, Bill's uh, side, you know, Bill's vulnerable side. And, you know, Bill starts talking about how, you know, he has, he's having trouble with women. He's got out of a relationship. And, uh, you know, this just keeps, every time they talk to Shatner, 
they, he just keeps knocking down their preconceived notions of, of him being Captain Kirk. And I think this is kind of one of the most explicit displays of that, where he even says, you know, he's like, I am not who you think I am. I am not a Lothario. I am not a ladies' man. I am not brave. I am not this. I am not that. I'm just a screwed up guy like you. And, you know, I really like that. I think uh, I think it was a really good choice on, on the part of the writers and on the part of Bill to uh, to convince them to do that because having him, as they originally wanted him, as kind of a perfect apparition in people's heads was just kind of... There's no relatability to that. I mean, a lot of people know people that, that are messed up. Most people, unless I'm the minority here, don't have, you know versions of their heroes in their heads telling them what to do you know we're not we're not six involved are from battlestar galactica that have like uh phantoms in our heads that make us feel like we're insane so anyways uh as a as a follow-up to this discussion uh you know robert gets uh because of this relationship and all the time he's been spending with claire he's been neglecting his work and what so he ends up getting fired from his editing job at uh at this place called Philoclips Studios. And so he was already kind of in dire financial straits because of his uh, his collecting and fetish and his uh, social life. And so now he has no income. And uh, as a result, at the beginning of the movie, I hadn't mentioned that they had, the phone company had already turned off his phone service because he hadn't been paying. And uh, so now we see uh, him with Claire. They're, they're in bed and they're talking, you know, pillow talk, blah, blah, blah. And she says that they should watch a movie, and um, Robert reveals that uh, he has no power because the power company cut off his power because he hadn't paid his power bill, nor has he paid his rent, nor has he paid his phone bill, and he's pretty deep uh, in debt by by a couple thousand dollars, which you know for for him might as well be a million dollars because he can't cover it. And you know he and Claire kind of have a bit of a fight. And, um, you know, they decide they go for a walk and uh, and they have kind of a bit of a, a geek heart to heart. And uh, I will play that now. So here we go. Uh, the geek lovers quarrel. Do you ever stop and wonder what's really out there? Ever since I was six and saw Close Encounters for the first time. I was looking at National Geographic the other day and I, uh, I came across this picture taken from the Hubble telescope and by focusing its lens on a speck of space the size of a grain of sand, it was able to photograph thousands of galaxies and each one containing billions of stars. I mean, the enormity of the universe is just simply beyond comprehension. It squashes a man's ego. makes living up to your potential that much more important, Robert. Robert, listen to me. What? I just don't know about us. Well, what's not to know? I just don't want to end up like my mother did. Look, if this is an issue of money, Claire, there are lots of jobs for a talented no, film editor. No, this is not about money, Robert. This is an issue of security. What are you trying to say, Claire? I'm saying 
that when I come home, I need to know that when I hit the light switch, I'm not going to have to pray to God to let there be light. These are minor inconveniences, Claire. I mean, what, what's really important is following our dreams. I mean, think of how much you and I have in common. But there are things that I need from a man and things that I don't know if you can... Like what, a $30,000 engagement ring? Oh, come on, Robert, you should know me better than that. I don't know, maybe we've just gone too fast. Maybe we just need to slow down and just think about this. So what exactly are you saying then, Claire? I'm saying that I can't be with a guy who lets his electricity go out so he can buy a special edition laser disc of Dawn of the Dead. But you love Dawn of the Dead. A relationship is about what we both want. You and I should come before laser discs and, and enterprise Christmas ornaments. Whatever. Where are you going? Seems like I'm going nowhere. Don't you dare quote Star Wars to me. You can't get away with that ish with me. You know, maybe you should start living in the present instead of in the 24th century. I would never live in the 24th century. I hate the next generation. Only the original series, only classic. So yeah, at this point, it seems that, uh, that the relationship is on the rocks and, you know, there's a bit of a, there's a breakup. And, you know, that's unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, I, even though, even though I'm a guy and, and you know, I'm, I'm technically coming in from, from Robert's side of the relationship here, uh, you know, I can fully appreciate the fact that, you know, a relationship is, is, is a two-sided thing. It's a 50-50 partnership. You know, even whether you're you're married or or not, I mean, if one person can't be trusted to, you know, maintain the basic necessities of life like electricity, which unfortunately, yes, in our day and age is a basic necessity of life, you know, how could they be trusted later on to, you know, to help the other person when they're sick or to provide when the other person can't or, you know, to take care of kids if there were to be kids or, you know, it's just, I guess there's a question of responsibility, which which, you know, any kind of, of deep, meaningful relationship, which they do appear to have had, uh, is to work. And, and you know, so I'm, I'm fully on, on board with, with, with Claire's reasoning. It's unfortunate and it's sad, but, uh, you know, money's a big deal. And trusting the other person is a big deal and, and she can't do it. But enough of that, enough of me pontificating about relationships, because God knows I'm not really an expert. I think uh, our friend Mr. Rick Moyer would be... Uh, would be better at that. So yes, in uh, in response to this horrible turn of events, Robert uh, does what any self-respecting party guy would do, and that's something that I don't recommend. But uh, he goes out to the bar with his buddy, Sean, and uh, he starts to drink. He picks up a girl, and him and Sean both have sex with the girl at the same time. I guess that's probably not the best thing to do when you're getting over a breakup, but I guess it worked for him. Uh, then, you know, a little later on, he, he runs into to Bill at the bar and they have a chat about, uh, about relationships and how he's feeling bad and how Bill is feeling bad about his situation. And um, this is where Bill's love interest comes in. She is the owner of the Garden of Eden, which is the, the bar that they quite enjoy to, uh, to frequent. And she is played by an actress named Deborah Van Valkenburg, who uh, 
was on a show called Warriors. I, I don't know very much about this show, and uh, I, I don't know very much about her, but, uh, you know, if anyone wants to uh, to fill fill us in, uh, feel free to comment on, on the forums or or send Rico in a, a voicemail. And maybe he'll play it on the next show. I can't uh, I can't make any promises. So he's very nervous. He he thinks she's a, a good looking, you know, an attractive woman. She's kind of she's older, she's closer to his age. And um you know, Robert kind of uses his his woman charming skills to give Bill some pointers and you know, give his give him some courage to go over there and and talk to him. Now at this point Bill's pretty drunk. So he kind of stumbles over there and and fails miserably, and, and she does not like him, and uh, there's a bit of an accident, and she kind of makes him hit himself in the face. And uh, so that makes <laughs> that kind of ends that little uh, little situation. Yeah, so then Robert kind of drops off the face of the planet for a little while, and people start to get worried. And so, uh, you know, they know he's pretty messed up, so Robert and, uh, I'm sorry, not Robert, Mark, and Sean go and talk to Claire and try and convince her that she's made a mistake and she needs to take Robert back because he is a huge mess and he can't live without her. And hey, you know, these guys are good friends. That's that's what that's what your buddies, that's what your boys do. You know, they look out for you. When you're hurting, they suck it up, even though they don't like the fact of how you were when you were with the girl, but you are messed up, and they're gonna go and try and convince her to take you back. So let's uh let's listen to this scene. Uh Mark's Mark's monologue here is is classic. I think it's probably some of the best acting in the uh, in the whole movie. So let's listen to this. I'm sorry, we're closed for another hour. Uh, we're looking for Claire. She works here, right? Yeah, she does, but I don't think I can let you in because we're not open yet. It's okay. Hi, come on in. This is a surprise. So what can I do for you both? We came to talk to you about Robert. Yeah. Uh, ever since you two broke up, he's been really fucked up. Right. He really loves you. I mean, a lot. At first, we really... We really could have cared less. But... We came to realize you two have something special, and it, it'd be a shame to ruin that. I'm sorry, but... I'm not interested in reconciliation. Why not? I can't understand. But Robert's a decent guy. I mean, despite his penchant for Wagnerian theatrics. It's a very impressive use of the word Wagnerian. Do you wish Rhett never loved Scarlett? Rick didn't have Ilsa, or Harry never loved Sally? Someone once said it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Succeed or fail, we must make the attempt. It's our nature. Now, if it were up to me, as it usually is, I would order this. But it's not. Because Claire is right in pointing out the enormous danger potential in any relationship with a man as intelligent but fantastically flaky as Robert. But I must point out the possibilities, the potential for true love and happiness are equally great. Risk. Risk is our business. 
That's what relationships are all about. That's why we're out there. It's a Kirk monologue. Works every time. Man, that's just great. See, and it's stuff like that. Like, I, I probably haven't shown as much, quite as much of, of that, you know, like kind of the the really good monologues and, and all the aside, you know, there's a lot of aside jokes in this movie. Like, you know, if a lot of you watch Family Guy, how, you know, they'll they'll make a joke that references something and then they'll cut to it. There's there's a lot of that in this movie, which uh, which I find very funny. And I mean, the writing is is just so witty. And most of that comes out in, as I said, a lot of scenes I didn't play where it's kind of Robert and Mark and uh, and their other two friends, one the one played by Phil Lamar and, and one of their other friends, where they just have this kind of horribly geeky back and forth where they're quoting movies left, right, and center. And, and you know, it's like, it's something that I'm really giving you the bare bones kind of plot points in the movie and, and things that I find a little bit interesting. But really to see it as a whole with all these things thrown in, there's just so much for for a two-hour movie, there's just, there's so much back and forth and so much dialogue, and it's just all so interesting and funny, and, and a lot of it just reminds you of you and your friends that, uh, you know, that's kind of really the, the magic of this movie, even more so than kind of just the, uh, the synopsis and, and major plot points that I'm giving you, that I'm giving you here. So it's really, as I said, even though you know the story, if you're listening to this cast, uh, it's really something you need to go and see just for all those little things and to see all, you know, the action figures that they use. And, you know, I haven't talked about their jobs really. And I haven't talked about, you know, there's more things with Shatner and there's more things with the friends and they play basketball. And I mean, there's, there's so much. So anyways, what, what goes on from here is after that, uh, they go, or Robert goes to find, or Mark goes to find Robert, uh, at his apartment. He pays all of Robert's bills and gets uh, Robert's landlord to let him in. And he sees, Robert on the floor. Mark sees Robert on the floor uh, amidst empty beer bottles and pizza boxes and you know his his 40-inch rear projection TV, remember this is 1999, uh, is on, but there's just static on it, and he's just a wreck. He's a mess. And, uh, you know, they have a bit of a fight where they, they kind of say what they really think about each other and what they really fear and you know how they're both pretty much in the same boat about not really being happy with their lives and not being happy with their relationships and you know that they keep messing things up and you know and also how they're different and you know it's 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 a very it's a very strong scene with regards to their characters so yeah from from then on um you know they kind of robert picks himself up and and decides to to go on with his life and you know, it it comes up that, uh, you know, it's time for, for Mark's 30th birthday. It's time for last day. Uh, a little bit earlier on, Mark had a, had a dream where he was he was Logan in Logan's Run, and Robert was uh, was one of the Sandmen, and he was being chased. And, you know, keep running, run on, whatever. So, you know, 30 is really, it's, it's the end of the line for them, it seems, and they don't know what to do. But they're going to go and celebrate Mark's big 30th, Mark's last day, his renewal, or whatever. Uh, by seeing Wrath of Khan in 70mm with, uh, with all their friends. And so they go out and, and they, they go out for drinks first and they do that. And then uh, the next scene, uh, you see them leaving the theater and, and it's because they've been kicked out of the movie. Uh, Robert supposedly got drunk and belligerent and had them kicked out of, of Mark's birthday movie. 
And uh, needless to say, Mark is, is pretty upset. And uh, they drag them over to uh, Robert's former place of employment, Full Eclipse Studios, and uh, drag him inside against his will because he thinks that they're going to uh, do some weird revenge plot on uh, the people that fired Robert. But as it turns out, it is a surprise party with a whole bunch of people to celebrate Mark's 30th birthday. And obviously Mark is very pleased by this. You know, there's, a, there's a, everyone, basically everyone who's been in the movie and more are there. And uh, an interesting plot point or an interesting production note about this uh, sequence is that uh, they had originally meant for the party to be on a beach. But in uh, 1998, when they were filming, uh, apparently, I guess I, I don't quite remember because it wasn't really a huge issue here in Canada, but El Nino was, was ripping things up pretty badly. And uh, the weather did not permit them to shoot this party scene on the beach, so they had to mock up the, the Full Eclipse Studios set and kind of move the party to Full Eclipse Studios. And, uh, you know, that was kind of a last-minute thing, which, uh, which caused some issues in production. But it worked out well. So, you know, they go into the party, and uh, here, I'll just play a little clip uh, of some dialogue during the party. And here we go. No. As long as you don't make me smash it. And you thought that I would intentionally get us thrown out of Khan. Shame on you. I knew it was Lancome the whole time. I don't believe it. And that is why you fail. How long have you been planning this? When did you plan? Weeks ago. It just took us a very circuitous route to get here. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow Mark supporters, if you'll follow me to the West Wing, we have a surprise for you, sir. Oh, this is cute. Happy birthday, Mark. So yeah, the kind of the the follow up of that scene is that you know when the music starts, uh, there's kind of this this cardboard or plasterboard or whatever spaceship, and uh, and a girl jumps out of it dressed in a slinky dress, and uh, and she's all painted green. So uh, <laughs> obviously a bit of a, a a Star Trek fantasy there. I mean, she doesn't she's not a stripper or anything. It actually turns out that she's a grad student and she's friends with uh, she's actually the girl that uh, Robert liked in uh, in elementary school. So anyways, the party goes on and, uh, you know, they talk to Bill and, and he kind of talks a bit more about himself and, you know, experiences that he's had, you know, kind of where people have thought he was Captain Kirk, he talked about, which is probably a fake story, but he talks about, you know, trying to save a child from a burning building because everyone was there and they looked at him and they said, oh my God, you're Captain Kirk and you have to do this and then he realized that you know he went in and he almost died and when he came out the child was already out and the child was playing on the grass and everyone was laughing at him and he felt like an idiot and that's you know he says that's when he realized that he wasn't captain kirk and it took you know an event like that for him himself to realize it so he does understand why people see him that way but he hates it he doesn't like it and uh you know the party continues and um Robert kind of goes off on his own, and he's a bit sad, and then, well, lo and behold, Claire walks up and um, and says that she misses him and that she wants him back and that she made a mistake, and, you know, this is probably the last clip I'll play, and uh, I'll just uh, play this one real quick, and then we'll talk a little bit more. You know, I saw this photo taken from the Hubble telescope once. Oh, my God. Claire, what are you... 
What are you doing here? Would you believe I was just passing by and saw this really cool party going on? I, um... I didn't think I was ever Robin, gonna... I have been miserable without you. Okay, you listen to me. I want you to understand, okay, that I am completely willing... Wait a minute, what did you just say? Robert, I love waking up with you in the morning. And I love going to sleep with you at night. I love the fact that you are a grown man who isn't afraid to have a space 1999 lunchbox in your room. I do believe in you. And I know that you're not going to turn out like my parents. I mean, they never took any risks. And you, for whatever reason, <laughs> will risk everything to follow your dreams. I want us to be together. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm about to ask this, but are you sure that this is really what you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's the cutesy part. So, uh, you know, things work out, and uh, so we're basically at the end of the movie, and um, Bill... Shatner breaks out his, uh, he comes up with, uh, to perform his, his musical version of Julius Caesar, or at least one, at least one scene from it. And, uh, what he hadn't been alluding to earlier is, is he's doing it with, uh, he's doing it rap style with, uh, a, with a, a group called the Rated R. And, uh, so actually what I'll do is, uh, on the bonus disc, uh, they have that full song. So I'll play a, a good chunk of it or part of it at least, uh, at the end of the cast, but you know, that's the, the party, the party gets going. Everyone's happy. Shatner's doing his thing and, uh, and all ends well. So, um, you know, that's my, I guess my pretty detailed overview of, of the movie free enterprise. I, I really like it a lot. I think it's very entertaining. I think it's very funny. And, um, you know, if you're into, uh, geeky romantic comedies you know i strongly suggest you check it out and if you've seen it before and maybe you didn't have you didn't think it was that great well maybe give it another view i mean uh it's a good 10 years old now maybe with another viewing from from where you're at now in your life you you may you may identify a little more or a little less with it never hurts to take a second glance at something i guess to finish off i'm gonna i'm gonna play uh a few little podcast promos that were sent to me and then I'm going to chat a little bit about uh, some news with relation to, uh, to Free Enterprise, and then uh, I guess we'll, we'll finish up. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. After listening to this great podcast, why don't you turn into our podcast? Knights of the Guild. The official fan podcast for the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2. As well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! <laughs> oh yeah, Knights of the Guild. Oh, you from Kenny and Jenny are just hilarious. This is... I, I look forward to whenever one of their casts come out. I mean, I'm, uh, I've been a, a WoW player for a long time and, and a Guild fan for 
as long as it's been out and god the information they give is just incredible and you know being that they work on the production the access they get to the cast and the crew and just the insider info and everything is just it's just amazing i i love the show i love it a lot you know you guys do a great job and and, and please keep it up hello there my name is med and this is david frost you're not david frost all right i mean this is mark and we are the present mark all right get on with it okay and we're the presenters of waffle on podcast and we like to talk about crap TV broadcast between 1960 to 1999. Would you say it's crap? Some of it. Really? <laughs> Especially the British stuff. But we were having a podcast about that, so let's move up on that. Unbelievable. You can find us at the http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Do not smile when I say the word colon. I'm not. <laughs> Uh, Meds and Kel, what can I say about them? Great guys, great show. Hilarious. And, uh, you know, interestingly, it's, uh, their shows are a lot of fun when I know, you know, like they went over a Dwarf and a lot of Jerry Anderson stuff that, that I do know about and, uh, and the show's amazing. And then they talk about there's, there's some British shows that, that I haven't heard of, being that I'm over here in Canada and only get certain stuff on BBC Canada. Um, and it's just as entertaining learning about shows that, that I've never heard of before. And uh, and Meds, I also do smile when you say the word colon. So uh, keep doing that because it's funny. So uh, those are the promos. And uh, I guess with a little bit of news, actually, very conveniently, uh, I had no idea that this was the case when uh, I decided to do this topic because uh, this information only came out a few days ago or a week ago or so. There's has been talk, and there has been talk for a while about making a free Enterprise two. There was always, you know, there were issues, and it was hard to get Shatner. And you know, earlier on, uh, when when Will and Grace was on, obviously they couldn't get Eric McCormick back because he was busy doing, you know, a a weekly primetime show. But it seems that uh, Sci-Fi Wire was able to get uh, some information saying that you know because of uh, the new Star Trek movie. They were able to get um, able to get things rolling, and it seems like we may very well have a free enterprise too. In uh, I don't want to say the near future, but but it actually it seems a lot more reasonable than um, than it has been before. It may be direct to DVD. I mean, the, even free enterprise itself didn't have a very wide theatrical release. But uh, you know, I'm very uh, interested to see because I mean, to me, this is a very standalone story, and I'd be very interested interested to see what they do for for a second one. So that's that. Thank you guys for listening to uh, this special Treks in Sci-Fi, episode number 248. And I just wanted to let you know that you should most definitely come back next week because, well, first of all, Rico will be back, so you won't have to listen to me prattle on about a movie. And um, also because he will be talking about something very interesting, which is the new Star Wars animated TV series, The Clone Wars, which uh, has just started its second season. So as I said before, I'm going to finish off with part of the the song uh, No Tears for Caesar, which is performed by William Shatner and the Rated R from from kind of the uh, the end of the movie. So I uh, hope you enjoy it very much. Thank you guys very much for listening and for putting up with me. And uh, hope to see you on the forums and uh, and listening to next week's show. Have a good week and uh, peace and long life.
Finns, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. No tears, te tears, te tears for Caesar. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is often turred with their bones, so let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus have told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all. All honorable men. Honorable men. Honorable men. This was a man. This was a man. No tears for Caesar. You trap, stab, it's like so chill at work. It's not in stores, but in ourselves. They need to so great for faith. The greatest wrong with us all. No tears for Caesar. That is what made the wood king. Gotta stop me times for this. The blade with these.